Welcome to That Rooted Feeling Podcast, where we bring you high-value health information and practical tips to help you improve your lifestyle habits with a focus on plant-centered nutrition. So you can achieve optimal wellness that radiates into and improves all areas of your life, giving you that rooted feeling that you won't know until you have it. So we have a very special guest on the show today, Allie Essig. She is a holistic plant-based nutritionist and owner and founder of PlantWise. She has a very compelling story and had some events happen in her life that really led her on this path. She now helps clients find their unique why and guides, educates, and supports them to long-term health centered around a whole plant-based lifestyle. And we really wanted to bring Allie on the show today to break down the topic of FODMAPs. I know you guys may be thinking, what are FODMAPs? And we've done a previous episode all about fiber and its importance in our diet for optimal gut and overall health. Allie's going to give us advice on how she educates and guides her clients to transition to a plant-based diet with minimal discomfort and bloat when they're not accustomed to eating so many fiber-rich foods. So welcome, Allie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We are excited for you to share your story and your knowledge here on the show. I know I alluded to your story and really some events that led you on this path to now really educating and empowering others with this plant-based nutrition and educating them on living this lifestyle. Can you tell our listeners really who you are and how you got to the place of like truly impacting lives the way you are today? Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I love talking about this because I went through a significant health event and I would do anything to prevent someone else having to go through that same thing and having to learn the lesson the hard way like we had to. So I am a mom of six. I have six little children. I live in the Washington, D.C. area. I um, used to work on Capitol Hill for a congressman. My husband's an attorney. We're, we're all about the DC life out here. And it's it's stressful, but you know, we do our best. And with six kids, I often found myself, you know, like many other moms, <laughs> feeding them mac and cheese and chicken nuggets because it was easy. It's hard, you know. I didn't want the fight along with everything else that was on our plates. Uh, but then fast forward to a fateful day where I that I'll never forget because I walked into the ER and looked over and saw my husband who was in a wheelchair and he looked like he'd aged 50 years. Now my husband was just 37 years old, but instantly in my heart, I knew that he was suffering a stroke. Uh, you know, his part of his face was kind of sagging and it was impacting his vision, which is how we discovered it. And after multiple tests, they, they found nothing wrong with him. There was no answer as to why this 37-year-old man was having a stroke. There was no hole in his heart. There was no heart arrhythmia. There was no genetic history, nothing. So the only direction they gave us was a piece of paper that said, from now on, you guys need to follow a heart-healthy diet. And that means <laughs> no trans fat, no saturated fat, lower your cholesterol, uh, eat more fiber, and avoid alcohol. Now... I was like, that's great. What do I make for dinner though? <laughs> you know, like I have no idea what this means. And we even came home from the hospital and we're looking at a jar of peanut butter. We're like, this has saturated fat in it. It's bad. Like I'm so confused, right? It was so confusing. Uh, but then I just dived into the research. And one of the reasons why I had such a fire under my bum to be able to make these changes is because years earlier, my father, who was just 55 years old, had his one and only heart attack. He passed away without a warning. There was not that you know time where he had a chance to change his diet and move on and, and live a longer life. 
And I had prayed so hard at the time. I'd wished like, why, why wasn't he given this warning? Like, why couldn't have he had had a second chance? And now I was looking at my husband and I was like, we have a second chance. We're doing everything possible. And so I was like, there was like a never ending like desire and thirst that I couldn't quench to just really understand all of the research. And I didn't want studies that just showed, oh, hey, this will help you for three to six months. I wanted the studies that were proving that you can live four years longer, 10 years longer. You know, you can live yeah. to be up 100 years old. Right? I wanted the long-term health, not just the short-term gains. And everything led me towards a plant-based diet. Everything led me towards, you know, and even what my doctor had given me because he said we needed to eat more fiber and fiber only comes from plants. <laughs> At the time I was like, so we need to buy fiber one bars. <laughs> no, uh -huh. the Aww. fiber, right? The it's fiber funny because that's a, a common misconception that, you know, people don't realize where fiber comes from because of the marketing that we get around fiber. And they just think it's like a, a bit of fiber or something that comes in a powder form. Yeah. yeah, that powder that grandma used to mix in her water, right? To have a, a bowel movement. And so we don't really understand that all of these plant foods are where the fiber comes from. So I love that you mentioned that because I think a lot of listeners can connect to that. Right. Well, we right. love to talk about the benefits of these prebiotic fibers and plant foods. And for the situations like in a state of dysbiosis or when the microbiome is out of balance or you have a hypersensitive gut these prebiotic fibers can be really hard on your gut and they can produce symptoms like gas and bloating and abdominal pain and diarrhea. And that can be really uncomfortable. And so people can be very wary about jumping all in on this plant-based, you know, lifestyle and nutrition approach. So for listeners that may not know the term, we mentioned FODMAP. Can you break down what this acronym means and how this is applicable to your nutrition practice and in those situations of these abdominal pain, discomfort, and symptoms? Of course. So when we went plant-based, for example, my husband used, used to joke around that when you eat like a cow, you smell like a cow. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> we <eat> all day, <laughs> right? You are what you eat. <laughs> right. And so I didn't understand like why it was that, you know, we were, we were eating the best foods possible, yet we are having a lot of gas and bloating. And I like to kind of compare it to someone who is, you know, new to working out where, or if they used to work out, but now they're kind of switching the way they're working out and lifting weights now, where they used to be a runner, they're going to be sore. You can't go into the gym and lift the heaviest weights possible. Uh, you're going to be sore the next day. And it's the same thing with switching to a plant-based diet. If you go all in overnight, like we did, your gut is going to experience some problems. Now, most of the time, this is just temporary. So with my husband's situation, it took about like a month, even two months before it just, things just evened out. His microbiome needed to change and we needed to give it time. And then he wasn't experiencing that gas and bloating. However, for me, uh, I was fine when we first switched, but then when 2020 hit, and when the stress of having to homeschool all of my kids came, uh, all of a sudden I was like, whoa, I am experiencing so much gas and bloating. And I know that stress had, a, a, you know, had something to do with it, but I needed, I couldn't take the stress away. I couldn't stop homeschooling my kids. I needed something else. And so I dived again, deep into the research and found out all about FODMAPs. Now FODMAPs is an acronym for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. And basically these foods are just difficult for your gut to digest, right? 
So they're fermentable carbohydrates that aren't completely digested and absorbed. And they're found commonly in beans, in fruit, in wheat, dairy, and nuts and other vegetables. The issue is these things are critical for a diverse gut microbiome. And so we need to eat them. So it's not like we should just avoid them for the rest of our life, but many of us are sensitive to it. So what happened is they established a low FODMAP diet where those with IBS or who have super hypersensitive guts are basically going to temporarily go off these foods like fructose, lactose, fructins, galactins, polyols, all of those things that are known to cause gas and bloating. Now, a low FODMAP elimination diet is meant to be temporary where you're just removing these things. But I wasn't really experiencing IBS. I wanted to be able to learn about these FODMAPs, but not because I had IBS, if that makes sense. And so what I found is that if you understand which foods in particular are known to cause more gas and bloating, they're usually given a rating. They're a higher FODMAP is what it's called. And if you were to just download any FODMAP app, like FODMAP A to Z, they're given a color. So like the foods that are known to cause gas and bloating are red. And those are, you know, again, beans, apples, onions, garlic, mushrooms, cashews, you know, certain foods. And then those foods that should not cause any gas and bloating are usually green. And then foods in between are yellow. The problem that I discovered is that when I looked at my plate and how I was plating my food, if I were to, again, rate all of these individual ingredients, I found that I was eating all red foods all at once, all at the same time, like black beans with a cashew sauce, with goji berries, you know, in my, in my energy bites with dates. Like I was like, no wonder I'm having (laughs) so many problems. Right. And so And this is common. A lot of people experience these same issues. And so you don't necessarily need to remove these foods from your diet because they're so good for you, but maybe just kind of replate and only try to have a fourth of your plate be these higher red, you know, like high FODMAP foods in general. Yeah. And you kind of have a, a system, like you've developed a plate and a visual for your patients or your clients when you're working with them to help them to see that, which is very unique to how you practice with your clients, right? Right, right. And I think that's, you know, all of us can learn about the benefits of a plant-based diet, but many individuals, and you've probably heard about them too. Like I had a friend of mine who was going through cancer and and tried to eat plant-based, but she was like, I just couldn't do it. The gut dysbiosis was just too hard. And Uh so a lot of people need that in between, you know, with going lower and slower with these higher FODMAP foods, learning which foods cause gas and bloating and, and not go overboard. A lot of people will say like, I can't handle broccoli or I can't handle beans. And I'm like, I bet you could handle one little broccoli tree. <laughs> I bet you can handle five beans. You know, it's not an all or nothing. This is just, let's keep it slow and simple. There are exceptions always to the rule because everybody's different. So there are individuals that just really can't handle garlic um, and or even garlic powder. I think that's good to know because some people may be having issues and they can just track it back to even garlic or garlic powder. Apples are difficult for individuals and onions. And so sometimes even just watching those foods or really minimizing your use of those can make a big difference on your your comfort level, your smelly level, everything else. That's really helpful. So how do you know the difference of if somebody just has dysbiosis or if they are like 97% of Americans and don't get enough fiber in their diet, how do you know if they have dysbiosis 
and to do this low FODMAP approach? Or do you just guide based on where they are in their plant-based journey and kind of take this slower approach for everybody? Or how do you determine the difference there? Right, right. So dysbiosis is such a general term. I mean, it's totally different if it's SIBO, for example, or Crohn's disease, something more particular. And so I kind of treat everyone when they're transitioning, like they could have the potential of having a lot of gas and bloating. So I tell everyone as we go through even all my meal plans, they all have each meal is rated either low in FODMAP, medium or high. And if it's high, you can learn which foods to switch out. So it's like you could take out the garlic or the onions in this recipe. You could take out the almond flour, like almond flour is one of them, you know, like you could take out you know, just understanding the swaps makes a huge difference. And even just for someone who's been eating plant-based for years to understand, like, you know, I had a bad gassy day the other day. And, and then you can look back and be like, well, duh, I had mushrooms. I had goji berries. I had, you know, like to just look back and see, like, I just overdid it because too much drinking, too much water is not a good thing. Right. And so eating too many good foods, like cruciferous vegetables are one of the best vegetables to help fight cancer. They're incredible. They help your liver produce an enzyme that's going to basically get rid of these cancer-causing chemicals in our body. But you can overdo cruciferous vegetables and have a lot of gas and bloating. (laughs) Yeah. Everything in moderation, which I feel like is a very... I hate saying the word moderation because we always (laughs) misinterpret it, I think, in our society. But I do agree that just a variety in moderation is the, the best approach to kind of everything. Right. So I love your softer approach of really using that FODMAP plate method and, you know, teaching clients of how they can incorporate the low FODMAP foods and how to do it slow and with a progression that really allows them to have more ease and less of these discomfort symptoms. But how do you reintroduce these foods back in your client's diet? Because we know that the greater the plant diversity in your diet, the greater the diversity of you know, the gut, healthy gut microbiome and benefit to our overall health. So how do you get them to, from that point A to B and do you always get them to that 30 points? Right. Right. And I think there's, I mean, look, there's over 4,000 varieties of potatoes in this world. Like there are so many different plants available to us that, that don't cause a lot of gas and bloating. And so I always encourage, you know, stick with what, you know, because again, someone like I, for me, Beans in general are not too bad. Like black beans are not a big deal, but for someone else, they like chickpeas could cause a lot of issues and hummus. So they would avoid those, but then you could still eat lentils. Sprouted lentils are usually really good for individuals who have a sensitive stomach. Uh, you know, so it's like, let's work with what you, you know, and let's find different types of legumes. Let's find different types of whole grains. So you may be having issues with like fructans, which are usually found in gluten causing whole grain or gluten containing whole grains. And so they may want to try quinoa, right? Or brown rice. So there, you can still get at that diversity of plants. And it's just, it's honestly a great reason to expound even further instead of just going with your basic foods. It's not narrowing your food choices, but rather looking into more options that are available to you where you can do so more easily and, and in a more comfortable way for your body. And then if you feel, again, because we're not... I I prefer not to take them out unless you have IBS, unless you have a major like specific issue that you're going through. You don't have to take them out completely and then reintroduce them. I'm just telling you, don't overdo it. So a little bit, a nibble or two is enough. 
right? You can, you can build up your gut microbiome so you can handle more of these foods over time. So you can still get the diversity, but just by going slow and low, you'll be able to do so in a more comfortable way. I love that. So you've outlined this FODMAP approach, this low FODMAP approach, but are there other ways that you help your clients really deal with the gas and bloating besides, you know, transitioning slower and easier into this lifestyle? Yes. Yes. And as I mentioned before, stress, (laughs) stress was the trigger for me. And so it can be the trigger for a lot of individuals. In fact, my sweet sister-in-law lost a baby and afterwards had a lot of gut issues and it had more to do with the stress and what she was going through than really what she was eating. And so if you've experienced trauma, if you've gone through something difficult, really working through those issues and healing emotionally and spiritually can be really key to your your gut health. Because as we know, the gut-brain connection is really strong. So stress is number one. Um, Other simple tips and tricks are meal spacing. So allowing four hours between meals just to give your gut a chance to fully digest all of the food before you're eating more. So less snacking, also going 12 hours overnight. Uh, So again, giving your gut that chance to rest. And then also watching your fat intake in meals uh, and to focus more on omega-3s can be really powerful. And there's a lot of amazing herbal remedies available, like peppermint uh, is really helpful to relax your muscles and relax even your gut muscles. And fennel seeds, if you've ever taken fennel seeds, they are, they are known to instantly relax those muscles in your gut. You, I mean, you could be on the floor in pain and then all of a sudden chew some fennel seeds and it's known to relax those muscles and to in, instantaneously receive relief. And so they're amazing. Some particular probiotics may be beneficial uh, for individuals, but I always say, you know, go first with food. And then also just lifestyle and therapeutic recommendations like yoga and Pilates. A a lot of moms after giving birth, they kind of stop engaging their core muscles. And when you're not at least slightly engaging your core against your intestine, it, it needs just a little bit of pressure in order for things to move. And a lot of gut problems, a lot of like gas and bloating can just be caused by constipation. And so movement will help things move or even just squeezing your core, pull, you know, pushing on it just a little bit can help that, that motility process going. And then of course, you know, if, if there's anything that's more severe, like a lot of pain, chronic diarrhea, bloody stool, if you're experiencing a fever, that's something that you need to be talking to your doctor about. So that's something a little bit more intense. But in general, I always say be be uh, aware of, of those individuals that are telling you just to avoid gluten and it will work better or lectins or, or sugars, uh, that there's so much more to it than just one little magic pill. Yeah. Incredible. What great tips. Thank you so much for all of those. Yeah, those are really beneficial. I feel like transitioning to a plant-based lifestyle is truly a journey. We've all experienced that. And like you said in the beginning, you can not know where to start and where to even begin with choosing plant-based foods. And it's highly individualized, like you said. And I love that you've incorporated this low FODMAP approach in your nutrition, but also all of these lifestyle factors that we love to promote on the show because it's not just how we feed our body. It's how we move. It's how we manage stress and all of these factors that really contribute to our gut health as well. And so thank you for doing an amazing job of outlining how you really implement this approach and these fermentable fibers that really are fuel for healthy gut bacteria and crucial for our overall health, but doing so in a ways with more ease and less discomfort. So I think this is going to be so beneficial for our listeners who are like, 
I just can't do it because of the gas, because of the bloating. So thank you so much for coming on the show. We really were honored to have you here. And can you guys yes, tell our thank listeners you. where they can find you? I know you have some amazing resources on your website and on your Instagram, you're always sharing amazing lifestyle and nutrition tips centered around this plant-based lifestyle. So where can we find you? Oh, thank you. So I love to teach the why behind eating plant-based. I love, I feel like if people understand why they're doing something, they're more likely to do it. And so we named our company Plant Wise, W-H-Y-S, so that you can find the why behind eating plant-based. So you can find me on Instagram, plantwise, or or just plantwise.com on the internet. Um, we're on TikTok and YouTube, all the things, but mostly on Instagram. That's my jam. thank you Ali so much thank you for joining us for another week and if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe leave us a five-star review and share with a friend who you really think could benefit from this episode thank you Ali and we will see you all next week see you next week